Welcome to Today's Issues, offering a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Tim Wildman, President of the American Family Association. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Today's Issues on the American Family Radio Network. I'm Tim Wildman, and as always, we thank you for listening to AFR on this Tuesday, February the 21st. Joining me in studio is Fred Jackson. Good morning, Fred. Good morning, Tim. Christopher Woodward. Good morning. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing well, Timothy. <laughs> hey. <laughs> and Ray Pritchard. Hey, Ra- Raymond. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good, Tim. How are you doing? Doing well. Um, Brother Ed, uh, hopefully be back with us tomorrow. He's got, he got summons for jury duty. Isn't that what you call it, Ray? Summons? Summons. That's right. You got a show. You got a show. You know, most everybody tries to get out of jury duty. Am I right here? They do. They do. That's right. They the do. ones I've talked to. I have never been summoned. And at this point, I'm like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, here's the thing. If everybody wants out of jury duty, what does that leave you with? <laughs> uh-huh. You're picking off the bottom of the right. barrel there, Tim. <laughs> you know, so you're going to be accused of some kind of crime, and mm-hmm. you got a bunch of dumbbells in there who don't have the smarts enough to get out of jury duty uh, on you. <laughs> right, right, huh? Yes. Uh, all right, we'll we'll see how citizen we'll see what, obligation. We'll see what. Uh, what brother Ed says, see if he's here tomorrow or he's going to be sequestered. Huh? It's in a hotel somewhere eating takeout. <laughs> it's the only time we ever use that word, isn't it? Sequestered. Mm-hmm. Sequestered in the Bible, Ray? Uh, it, well, no, no. <laughs> not, not in, it's not in the King James, I can tell you that. Right. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Sequestered. Pretty sure of that myself. You hear sequestered, and that's the only time you hear it's related to some kind of a jury. Thing. The only time you ever hear the word stow is when you're on an airplane. You ever notice <laughs> stow that? Stow stuff? Stow. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Stow your stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, a lot to talk about today. we got a guest coming up at the bottom of the hour. Stephen McDowell of the Providence Foundation will be in studio with us. And we will, I'm going to ask Stephen, what do we mean by uh, when we use the expression American exceptionalism? We won't, don't hear that anymore. We hear... From the woke crowd, we hear America the terrible, right? Yes. Uh, that's not true. Uh, and uh, we have a great and storied mm-hmm. uh, storied history and a story to tell about uh, uh, Dinesh D'Souza. Dinesh, yeah. He wrote a good, uh, an excellent book a few years ago about what's so great about America. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I encourage people to read that read that book, What's So Great About America?, by Dinesh D'Souza. Isn't that, that got his last name? D'Souza, yeah. yeah Dinesh D'Souza. And our own Bishop Jackson has a book out right now. Yes, that's right. Uh, that we had a guest, I think, last yeah. week. And he, mm-hmm. I just started reading the book this weekend. It is absolutely fantastic. It's mm-hmm. basically an autobiography mm-hmm. about his thankfulness to be born in America, mm-hmm. despite the fact that he grew up in abject poverty, foster parents, all of that. About the time desegregation came along, too, yes. right? Yes, yeah. and he doesn't blame America for his tough upbringing. Yeah, he's he's proud to be an American. He's thankful for being an American. So, some great books out there right now. Absolutely. By the way, Ray, how's your uh, year-long 
Bible reading out loud going? Oh, well, uh, today we are in Numbers 4, 5, and 6. And, you know, the great thing about this part of the Old Testament is nobody really knows because, you know, there are some people know Genesis and we know Joshua, but there's some skip a flyover. You know, we talk about flyover country. Mm -hmm. There's some flyover books of the Old Testament. Leviticus is the supreme flyover book. But numbers, people think it's not interesting, but it's it's fascinating stuff. So I am having a blast and uh, reading. Usually two chapters, sometimes three, sometimes four chapters a day. And if people want to join us, they can come to uh, uh, keepbelieving.com. And we post the video every morning, and they can just follow along with us as I'm reading my way through the Bible. I thought of you this morning, Ray, because I am in Leviticus right now. (laughs) And I just wondered, how does Ray make this sound interesting? Because I've just gone through the chapters where they're killing a lot of animals, mm-hmm. uh, the sacrifices. And I tell you what, it is, um, those priests had a difficult job, you Aaron know, and his sons. They, they had to understand animal husbandry. Oh. They had to understand how to kill the animals. But then, you know, uh, uh, Fred, the stuff about the mildew, right? You got to yes. check mm-hmm. for the mildew in the houses. In the house. Then they had to be part-time doctors looking at the sore to see if there's a hair growing out of the sore on somebody's arm. Yep. So, y- you know, they were out there in the middle of the desert. Uh-huh. So if you're going to be a priest, you were multitasking. So Leviticus is, it, it's fun. To, it's fun to read it because it's, pastors today aren't checking mildew like, <laughs> uh, like the priest did in the Old Testament. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, hearing all this, I think I was providentially born in the right time in history. Because <laughs> I, I just, I don't know about that job right there. It would definitely have to be a calling yes. by an audible voice of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those priests, yeah, those, uh, you know what struck me about the Old Testament, a lot of the story of the children of Israel, and of course this has been oft repeated, mm-hmm. that they they did they did the same thing over and again, over and over again, right? Oh yeah. Uh, pray, repent, turn to God. Then I don't know. Let's go back to the high places again. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you think, guys? Who's who's with me on this one? Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like you know, haven't you learned how this story goes? Yeah. But uh, I guess that's human nature. Yes. Right? Yeah. You get a couple of generations away from the judgment, and you start to slip. Right. Again. Right. By, by the way, Ray, what were do you know what were the uh, the high places mentioned in the Bible that that the children of Israel went to? And well, they, you know that they borrowed this, so to speak, from the pagan nations around them. And if you're a pagan and you want to get close to quote your God, you wouldn't go down to the swamp. You'd go up high, right? You'd find a hill. You'd find the top of a mountain because in your in your twisted idolatry, you thought. I'm closer to I'm closer to Baal or Ashtaroth on on the top of the mountain than I am down in the valley, and the Israelites borrowed that same they borrowed that from the pagan nations, thinking that somehow they were closer to God on top of the mountain because they were you know they were elevated somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's the idea that, that somehow geography makes you closer to God, and uh, 
And, and I get it. I'd rather be on top of the mountain instead of down in the swamp myself. I mean, I get the idea behind it, which, Fred, that's why they kept going back and going oh. back. The idolatry was a terrible disease. It took a lot to get it finally removed from the nation. Many centuries, in fact. Yes. So uh, if we want to uh, listen to your reading of the scriptures uh, on a daily basis, we go to what, what website is that? It's keepbelieving.com, and every single video from January the 1st through today is archived at keepbelieving.com. So you can start now, or you can go back and catch up, and God willing, okay, we're, I, I, right, you know, God willing, we're going to be at the end of Revelation by the end of December, and assuming everything works out, uh, there are going to be 365 different videos on our website covering me reading through the whole Bible. It has been a thrilling and challenging, probably some days thrilling, many days very, very challenging to do this, but it has been good for my soul. Amen. I certainly have enjoyed good. it. And we can watch you age in real time. <laughs> very much. <laughs> Extremely. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, um, it's wonderful that you're doing that, Ray, and uh, we encourage people to visit the website and take advantage of that. Christopher. Yes. What's in the news this morning? Well, uh, President Joe Biden remains in Eastern Europe where he traveled to, uh, he was in Ukraine yesterday for what was described as a surprise visit to uh, Ukrainian leaders amid their ongoing war with Russian invaders. Uh, now, uh, Biden has gone to Poland where he has promised all kinds of aid and uh, he wants to stand with the Polish people as they uh, uh, work against Russia and stuff like that. I've got some audio here. Uh, you know, Joe Biden, as any president does when they go abroad, they talk about things and how we're going to help them, and they promise all kinds of things. Uh, apparently, Joe Biden wants to use uh, tax dollars to help Poland build its energy infrastructure. And I've got some audio here. It is clip 10. We're also launching a new strategic partnership with plans to build nuclear power plants and bolster Poland's energy security for generations to come. And, Mr. President, the connection between Polish and, 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 Polish and American people is extremely strong and deep. Well, if, if two it, things going on here, but yeah. go ahead, Fred. If you're an American who's been following Joe Biden's climate change plan, and you're hearing this morning, okay, Joe Biden says no nuclear power plants for America. It's going to be solar panels and windmills. He goes to Poland this morning and saying, we're going to use American taxpayer dollars to help Poland build some new nuclear power plants. First of all, I question whether he can, he has the authority to do that unilaterally. Uh, I, I don't think he does. Uh, but, uh, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And and we have had a great relationship, uh, right, Ray, with Poland. I've been friends with them for generations. I mean, rarely, I suppose the point is, rarely do you see... Uh, we understand politicians say one thing, do another, say one thing to one crowd. This this happens, but rarely do you see hypocrisy portrayed as clearly it is portrayed in this, that he will not build uh, nuclear plants here in the U.S., but it's okay to take our money and build them in Poland, please. Now, nuclear plants are, and I've always had a hard time with that word. Did I get it right? <laughs> nuclear. Okay, nuclear. Th th nuclear. those plants are the, uh, are the safest Yes, and efficient. Uh, most efficient, uh, no carbon emissions. Mm. Uh, when, when you see environmentalists 
the so-called environmentalist. Uh, Russ Limbaugh called them environmental wackos, I think he called them. Uh, objecting to nuclear power plants, you just go, what? This is, uh sounds like to me you're against energy independence at all. Mm-hmm. Regardless of how we get there, uh, but back to uh, one well, number one is uh, I know it's a tiring <clears throat> trip across you know to, the, to to Europe and back. So the president's near is he's eighty now, right? Mm-hmm. But wow, he he can hardly talk right there, huh? It, it looked bad this morning when he arrived at the the palace where he, uh, there to to be greeted by the the uh, the Polish government officials. He looked very bad. Now, we were told that apparently he confessed this morning to some reporter that he didn't get a good night's sleep last night. Right. And it looked like it when right. he got out it of the car. It sounded like it. And when he walked along, he did a review of some of the uh, soldiers that were lined up there. And he, he kept having to ask the person beside him, okay, where do I stand? What do I do here? He looked lost. Yeah. In the midst of all of this. Do we have unlimited resources to hand out to people around the world? Uh, uh, people in government do because it's other people's money they're spending. Well, Biden there, he's promising Poland we're going to build nuclear power plants. He also alluded there, and he's going to give a speech in about uh, hmm. 10 minutes over there, a formal speech. But in the initial meeting this morning, he also talked about the U.S. commitment to helping Poland militarily. Now, apparently we have a garrison there now, what's called a garrison. But what's been talked about, and the Polish government has said they'll pay for it, they want a full military base in Poland, U.S. military base in Poland, because obviously they're very nervous about what Putin is doing in the Ukraine. Uh, And Joe Biden alluded to the fact, maybe we'll find out later today, that he's willing to grant that wish. But now, Ray, uh, geographically, you have Russia... Then as you go east, go west, rather, uh, Russia, Ukraine, and then Poland? Is that right? you got Poland, right? you got but, I mean, Poland, po- Poland then borders you got, Ukraine. Then you got right? Germany. That's, it, that's exactly right. And then and right. then you got Germany bordering. So I guess the Polish people obviously would be very worried. They are. Nervous. Mm-hmm. Because they had an influx of, I guess, millions yes. of refugees from Ukraine when this war started. We all remember seeing those those. Uh, Mm-hmm. Those lines—they were absolutely terrific. The Polish people—they there were Listen, signs up. Remember when they, the Ukrainian people were coming out? We'll take five. We'll take four. Yeah, I—I mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm just uh, questioning the idea of us having—I uh, don't know—billions and billions of dollars to hand out to other countries, even friends of ours. He he said we're going to help the Ukrainians with their pension plans mm-hmm. the other day. Did you see that? Yes. I just did. What? Yeah. What? The Ukrainians? Yeah, Ukraine. Am I, am I right about that? Oh, you're right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's just going around the Man. world making all these financial commitments. You know, as he may not even be president in two more years. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I just, you know, the the power of the purse belongs to the Congress. Yes. And so uh, that's our constitutional system. So uh, he he might say something to the effect, you know, I'm going to promote, push for, advocate for uh, in America to our Congress that we give Ukraine and Poland billions of dollars. But just to say we're going to 
we're going to do this. I just don't know. He, he, he doesn't have, seem to me to have the constitutional authority. There's a lot of talk about what's going on right now. This morning, Putin in his State of the Nation address said he's pulling out of the, uh, the Strategic Arms Reduction Treaty, the START. He's pulling out of his commitment to that, which basically limits the United States and Russia to a certain number of missiles. And now we learned a couple of days ago about China saying, okay, we're willing to start helping Russia with weapons. To which the uh, president of Ukraine, what's the gentleman's name, Zelensky? Mm -hmm. Zelensky. Said that would be World War III. Yeah. Uh, All right, so... I know it's easy to be critical of whoever the president is. You know, it's easy to second guess. However, I would say this. Usually by now in a war, in a conflict, especially as large a scale as this one is in, in terms of Ukraine and Russia, you hear talks of peace negotiations or of some kind of settlement, some kind of agreement, uh, di- diplomacy going on, Ray. But I just haven't heard any of that uh, going on uh it is well. I mean, it's it, kind of scary stories. Go ahead. You read these stories that the, the Ukrainians wanted to do this, and then Putin wanted to do that. They couldn't get together. Uh, you would think that after a year, in which, and first of all, as a, it's just as a clear note, give the Ukrainians all the credit in the world. They forced the Russians back, right? The, the the Russian army was bombing Kiev and, and, and moving into the eastern part of the country, and they have forced them back. Frankly, uh, I know the, a, a lot of Western a lot of Western artillery and stuff uh, was brought in, but they had to do the fighting. So all credit to them. Uh, but now, wh- what's the end game? Zelensky, I don't know what to make of him. Putin worries me because he's old. This hasn't clearly this invasion has not gone the way he expected. And in a sense, he's backed himself into a corner, both militarily and in terms of the, the world stage. Uh, what what is what's the end game? If you're Putin, how is he going to how is he going to negotiate peace and save face with his own people? Yeah. And if China, if China starts giving military aid directly to Russia. Yeah. That puts us, and we're giving military aid directly to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're one bad day from right from potentially World War Three. Yes, uh, which may not last more than a day. Yeah. All right, uh, Chris. Next story. Well, this has to do with what you guys are talking about, um, and I say that because people in East Palestine, Ohio, were still concerned uh, that our government is doing more things abroad than it is for them in East Palestine, Ohio, where they had the horrible train derailment and hazardous materials going up into the air, um, maybe even water contamination. Uh, I have some audio here. She is not from East Palestine, Ohio, but it's OutKick host Tommy Lauren uh, bashing Biden for helping Ukraine, but not the people of Ohio. Clip two. The message from the Biden administration to these people is very loud and clear. You are a poor white community in Ohio. We don't think we're ever going to get your vote. We don't think we need your vote in future elections. So we're going to largely ignore you. And then we're going to take press trips for photo ops in places that you are not in and countries that really do not matter to you. And when you're dealing with a toxic fallout in your own hometown and we're going to do it all in your face and we're going to flaunt it. It's shameless. But this is really what the Biden administration has stood for from day one. Make Ukraine great again. But as for Ohio, 
largely ignored. She she made a good point there because a lot of people say we could better afford the things politicians want, um, better health care systems, better pay for teachers, all these things. And the reason we don't have them is because we're sending money to everybody and his brother for all kinds of things, including the things they're telling us we can't have because of the climate or whatever else. Well, it'll be interesting to me to see <clears throat> when Biden gets back from Europe. Uh, is he going to go to Ohio to this town and visit them? Because that would be a normal thing for a president to do when something like this, mm-hmm. uh, something, uh, a, a, this isn't a natural disaster, but it's a, uh, it's a man caused disaster. Mm-hmm. I guess you could say an unfortunate situation, a derailment of a, of a train. But, um, it is, you know, a president's go all over the country to visit to, people like and remember biden went to eastern kentucky western kentucky when mayfield remember Mm -hmm. had the uh, Mm -hmm. tornado come through there so he has gone to places that aren't traditionally democrat biden has uh to you know as president of the country to you know to uh express sympathy for people but uh, when this situation in ohio it appears like he and uh his secretary of transportation who to judge uh, I'll let you say his last name there. Red uh, are trying to ignore this and suppress it. I don't know why exactly. I, I don't hold Biden uh, responsible for this. Now the response I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's been uh, they've been basically ignoring it, and I think it's for the reason that uh, was it Tammy Lauren mm-hmm. just said. Ohio is a red state now, and this is a part of the country that uh, you know went overwhelmingly for. Yeah, uh, what'd she say? Conservative white community? Yeah, so he's just going to ignore it. It sounds like, to me. To- I can't understand why Buttigieg has not gone. This is a disaster. Yeah, he needs to go. But uh, uh, there's, as of this morning, there's no talk of him going. It's one of several disasters that have occurred on his watch that he has not gone to. Because he had the whole Southwest debacle. By the way, guys, I was just looking at the Twitter, my Twitter feed this morning since elon musk bought twitter i decided to sign up <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, I, I was seeing that uh and i think this is a, a a news story on the mainstream news sources too now there was another plan explosion this morning did you see this yeah i, um, I think there was one yesterday yeah that's what yeah. i'm saying there was yeah. one yesterday and uh, well another one today okay I in think, ohio uh, metals plant leaves one dead 13 injured Okay, this just just in. This is I'm reading from. Uh, it's an explosion in Medley, Florida. Oh, today, okay. this hmm. comes just one day after a large explosion took place at a metal factory in Ohio. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we this is a, somebody quoting on Twitter. We just had another large fire in Doral, that's in uh, Miami area, uh, a few days ago. Anyway, I'm just saying there's been like uh, four or five plants the last week mm-hmm. that have blown up mm-hmm. uh there's been uh, like four or five t- train derailments and it uh it's it sounds like to me it's some kind of sabotage going on it Co- could well uh, be coordinated yes that's what it's and I, I, we're a big country listen mm-hmm. 330 million people or so we got mm-hmm. factories and plants everywhere across this country so you know you're going to have these things kind of happen but it's just the scale of these explosions and and the plants that they're happening in and these train derailments just suspicious. it just makes huh suspicious and it doesn't it doesn't take too much to derail a train does it no nope. huh no nope. and they're you know I don't know I, I maybe we'll get some 
Uh, maybe this is just all coincidental, but I'm just telling you, when it keeps happening every other day, these huge explosions going on, it just makes you think that uh, we're under attack by somebody, Antifa or somebody. I don't know exactly. All right, we'll be back momentarily with more of today's issues on AFR. <clears throat> Stephen McDowell of the Providence Foundation is here, and he's going to be in our studio. And so we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Stay with us. AFA is no longer dependent on Facebook or YouTube to live stream our original programming. As of now, American Family Radio shows like Today's Issues, The Court, Airing the Addisons, and The Hamilton Corner are streaming live on the AFA streaming app. Independent live streaming is the next step as we come out from among them and separate ourselves unto the Lord. Search AFA streaming or visit streaming.afa.net to sign up. Hello everyone, Tim Wildman here, President of American Family Association and American Family Radio. Hey, a vacation with a purpose. That's what we call our spiritual heritage tours. And we've got a couple of weeks set in June and September that we encourage you to take a look at if you want to go with us this year. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to the Capitol Building. We're going to the Lincoln Memorial, the Jefferson Memorial. We're going to the National Archives, the Supreme Court. We're going to the Arlington National Cemetery to see the changing of the guard at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. And we're going to George Washington's Mount Vernon. That's on Saturday that we're going there. So, so much to do and see. It's going to be a wonderful time together with Christians from around the country. For all the information, the itinerary, the cost, the dates, everything, go to the website spiritualheritagetours.com. That's spiritualheritagetours.com. We'd love to have you join us. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. Uh, my goal as a teacher is, is to impart knowledge and then be able then for them to take it and turn it into wisdom. As we teach, I think, okay, five years down the road, how will the material that I am teaching them really affect their lives, and their careers. Hi, Todd Starnes here. Truett offers biblically-centered degree programs. Check out truett.edu slash Starnes. There's been a big debate in Arizona over who's responsible for educating children. Is it mom and dad or the public school? Lawmakers are considering a bill that would give parents a greater say over what sort of material their kids are exposed to in the classroom specifically material considered to be lewd or sexual in nature. The bill would also cover the promotion of gender fluidity and pronouns. One of the opponents of the bill is Alicia Messing. She's a special ed teacher. Ms. Messing testified public education is not to teach only what parents want their kids to be taught. It's to teach them what society needs them to be taught. Ms. Messing boasted she has two advanced degrees and then demanded to know what qualifications the parents had. She actually asked whether lawmakers were vetting the backgrounds of parents. The government is coming for your children, America. I'm Todd Starnes. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. 
1 Thessalonians 1, 3. American Family Radio. This is Today's Issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of Today's Issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of Today's Issues. Hey, welcome back to the program, Today's Issues on American Family Radio. I'm Tim Wildman with Fred Jackson, Chris Woodward, and Ray Pritchard, and we thank you for listening to AFR. By the way, if you want to watch the show, we uh, live video stream on our Facebook page. Just type in Today's Issues in our on our Facebook page, and we live video stream the show there. We also post the stories that uh, we discuss so you know where we get our information from. And then also we have our own live video streaming service for most all our programs here on AFR, and that's streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net. Check that out, streaming.afa.net. Well, uh, Stephen McDowell of the Providence Foundation is in studio with us. Uh, Good morning, Brother Stephen. Well, good morning, Tim. Great to be here. Stephen and I have done uh, the – Spiritual heritage tours for how many years now? We've it's been over twenty. Yeah, uh, and we've been uh, also that's of Washington D.C. and and Mount Vernon. And then we've also been going to Colonial Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown together with tour groups for eight, ten years, something like that. So um, uh, uh, we've 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 taken thousands. I counted it up the other day. It was like somewhere between four and five thousand people. Wow. We had a few whiners and complainers along the way, uh, you know, but most vast majority of people have been appreciative. And, and uh, some of them have come back numerous the, times. Yes. The whiners and complainers didn't come back, though. They didn't. Uh, no, I'm just teasing. Uh, we had, we uh, 99.9% of the folks who go with us uh, have, well, okay, 100%, have uh, been, uh, been wonderful Christian patriotic people who love America and want to see her preserved. And... Um, I want to ask you, Stephen, we're going to jump into this topic because America is like every day somebody's uh, saying what a bad country we are, you know, and then citing our history with slavery and and on it. It's it's like, is there anything good to say about the American story? And you dedicated your life really to uh, telling the story of America and what, what used to be called American exceptionalism. It's that phrase is still used. Some America, Ronald Reagan said America was a city uh, shining on a hill. I got that right, right? City set upon a hill. Yes, he got that. Well, that's a biblical reference that uh, Ronald Reagan used. Uh, former President Ronald Reagan. Uh, what do, when we say uh, that term, American exceptionalism? What do we mean by that? Well, when we, when you look at history, most people throughout all of history have lived not in the great freedom and liberty that we possess. You know, they lived under rulers' law. Rulers made the law, imposed them Since upon the people. Since the dawn of history, yeah. right? They've had no freedom to to get an idea, to create wealth. They haven't had the freedom to worship God according to the dictates of their own conscience or freedom to train their children the way that they ought to. The liberties and freedoms that we take for granted today— uh, have not been the state of mankind for since the fall of man. But in the birth of the United States of America, this changed. There was a new era of liberty that came to mankind. 
freedom to worship God, freedom to to uh, get an idea, to create a new business, to create wealth, to provide for myself, to, to speak be a blessing freely. to fellow man, yes. to, to speak freely, to assemble together, to worship, to do something like we're doing today, gathering in this studio to discuss these ideas. This was not known to man. And so that's why many, many people, Alexis de Tocqueville and others, observe that America is an exceptional nation. You have an exceptional system of government, an exceptional economic system. You have an exceptional set of ideas uh, uh, that have been planted in the foundation of the, uh, the nation, and that is why America has been the most free, prosperous just, virtuous nation, not perfect. We've had our problems we've had to deal with, but it's unlike any other nation. And, you know, what's what's, uh, insightful from the founders, they knew it. They spoke about, as you said, a city set upon a hill. John Winthrop, the governor of the Puritans who brought a thousand Puritans over in 1630, referenced that phrase of Jesus that he wrote in his model of Christian charity on the ship, the Arabella, when they came over, we want to be a city set upon a hill so that all the world could look at us and say, Lord, make us like that in New England. That was their heart, their vision. We want to be something different to the world. In other words, we want to fulfill what the Bible promises when we obey him. Great blessing comes if we look to God and his truth. We build our life upon it, our family upon it, our nation upon it, and we've experienced the great blessing that comes from obedience. Let me ask you this. Uh, as you look back in history, and I'm talking about world history, biblical history, with the exception, obviously, of God's relationship to the children of Israel uh, and that story, which continues even today, that's in the story of the Old Testament, and of course, uh, the New Testament being that the kingdom of God was now available to to all people, but in the course of human history, where would you rank? Uh, has there ever been a greater, I don't know what you, I don't know if you would call it a singular event, but uh, the creation of the United States of America, you just mentioned uh, what made it exceptional. Those ideas of freedom and liberty and, and, uh, and freedom to worship and all those things, uh, freedom to conduct business and commerce and 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 make a profit and, and not be controlled by a king or a dictator or a tyrant. Where in the course of the human history would you put that as far as impacting the world? Well, there really hasn't. That was been. a great question. Yeah, you took me a minute very well. Tim. It took me a minute and a half, but I got it out. Go ahead. You should be a preacher yes. or something. I, I should be. Uh, but, uh, There hasn't been, really. There's been seeds like Patrick in Ireland in the 400s. He worked to transform the nation of Ireland from worshiping pagans to sending out missionaries all over Western Europe, which preserved Western civilization. You see seeds under King Alfred the Great in the 800s of incorporating biblical truth as he brought many of those people together to form uh, what is England today. But there hasn't been anything like what has happened in in the United States of America. That's why, interestingly enough, some ministers with the birth of America began to preach the millennium has come. And what they meant by that is that there was a unique expression of the governance of God in the earth. 
you know, that, that uh, God had come and his truth and principles are built in the foundation of our laws. They're built upon the truth in the Bible. Our educational institutions were started to train ministers of the gospel and, and people who served in every sphere of life with biblical truth. That the leadership was uh, people, many ministers and Christians provided leadership for this. So there hasn't been. So they saw this is special. This is unique. And our founders understood history very well, way more than we knew. And that's why they said there's been nothing like the United States of America. But it wasn't an end in itself. It wasn't so like, hey, we've arrived. Look how great we can be and we're going to prosper. The purpose, they understood it was here is God at work giving an example to mankind of what a blessed nation can be, you copy those principles, you'll have the same universal flourishing. You'll have the same blessing. And you know what? The last few centuries, it's happened. I've been able to travel to over 40 different nations. Revival is taking place massive in many nations. In Colombia and Brazil, for example, I've spent a lot of time in the last 10 years. Those nations have grown from 1% or 2% Bible-believing Christians, you know, 40 years ago to 30% or, or, or more of those nations. God is doing something, and it's affecting not only individuals, but it's affecting the culture as well, because these seed principles will grow and bring transformation in every sphere of life. That's why God gave birth to the exceptional nation of America, so that these truths and blessings might be extended throughout the world. Ray, you're up next. Uh, Stephen, you, first of all, thank you for that historical overview. Uh, something you touched on, probably a question we've got to talk about. You mentioned we're not a perfect nation. We, uh, we're not. We're not today a perfect nation. So we talk about that every day here on AFR, the problems our country faces. Slavery, obviously, um, for a long time, part of our country until after the Civil War, how do we how do we square the fact that America is an exceptional place with the fact that we are far from perfect in the beginning and far from perfect now? Um, well, of course, slavery is not God's intention for man. He created all men to be free. Jesus' inaugural address is he came to proclaim liberty to mankind. So we we understand that. But uh, slavery has existed in the world since the fall of man. Every nation, every culture has enslaved one another. So that was did not originate with America, as some people are taught to think today with this CRT philosophy and other things. So slavery came with uh, those who colonized America because it existed in every nation of the world. The fact is, is that uh, the founding fathers of America, those who gave us the Declaration and Constitution, they were, had a biblical conviction, slavery was wrong, it needs to be transformed. Once they had the freedom to do so, and that was only after independence, they took steps before, but they were limited, they did more to end uh, the evil institution of slavery than any other group of people up until that time in history. Eight or nine of the early uh, states ended slavery because they passed laws and legislation. 
1787, the Northwest Ordinance, the, kind of one of the organic laws of the United States, forbid slavery in the Northwest uh, Territory. That was re-ratified in 1789 under the U.S. Uh, Constitution. Uh, and so many anti-slavery societies were sta- started by our founding fathers. Ben Franklin, Benjamin Rush started uh, one of the first ones. Some of the, the first laws, civil laws, uh, 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 to end slavery started in the United States. The Constitution put an uh, uh, end to the slave trade within 20 years, way before England ended slavery through influence of pastors and William Wilberforce and others. So the founding fathers began to take steps. No one else in the whole world had done it. Now, could they have done more? Well, sure, we can look back. To say they've done nothing is to to, uh, ignore history. And so, unfortunately, the generations after them didn't continue to bring about that change that was necessary. So, God sent a, a, a great civil war that brought judgment on north and south, but the outcome of that war was the ending of slavery, uh, as God, I believe, intended the uh, Christian nation of America to do so, but it was with a, a great cost. And so that's a very short answer to the question, yes, maybe we could have done more, but we did do something more than any other uh, people had done. Uh, before Fred's question, uh, Stephen uh, authored a book with uh, Mark Belisles. Belisles, uh, what is this? A couple decades ago or so, or yeah, more? Late nineteen eighties, yeah. But still, uh, it's uh, it's a history of our country. It's called America's Providential History. It's uh, uh, it's a best selling book. Uh, sold thousands and thousands of copies. And if you want to get your own copy. Uh, of America's providential history or any other resources that the Providence Foundation uh, offers, where do they need to go? They can get it at our website, providencefoundation.com, providencefoundation.com, or you can order it from Amazon uh, as well. But we have a lot of other resources on our website, a lot of free things to read and like folks to to, to go there and take a look. All right. Yeah. Also, uh, folks, if you want to join Stephen and yours truly on our spiritual heritage tours, we've got a few seats left for 2023 in June and a few seats left on our tour in September. As you can see, uh, Stephen uh, brings uh, to the table uh, the hist- story of America and the history and the people. So he'll be talking and lecturing and answering questions all along the way. On our tours, again, if it's Washington, D.C. and Mount Vernon, that's one tour. And then separately, it's Colonial Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown uh, on a separate tour. They are back-to-back for those who are coming from long distances and want to do both. It's a full week. We take care of you from Sunday from uh, Sunday night to Saturday night. So uh, the website for all the information is spiritualheritagetours.com spiritualheritagetours.com. Again, we're, we've got just a few seats left on, on those tours. Fred, you had a question? Yeah. Uh, Stephen, millions and millions and millions of people have sought to come to this country for all the reasons you have outlined. Still do today. And still do today, legally and illegally. Right, right, right. All right. Why do we have an education system that's trying to change why all these millions want to come to this country and I'm speaking in general terms, an education system now that has soured so many young Americans about this country, and they say it needs to be changed. Well, that's 
a big question, but a short answer that I can give is that, you know, Christians gave birth to our educational institutions. They started the schools and universities in order to impart biblical character and biblical truth. But over a few centuries, beginning over 100 years ago, Christians who gave birth to these institutions began to retreat for different reasons. Once they retreated, the ungodly filled them. And so for 100 years, the ungodly have governed the educational institutions in our nation, and they've begun to propagate their philosophy of life. It's really a religion, and that religion is anti-God, anti-Christian, anti-truth, and uh, so and we're seeing the bad fruit coming forth because those who are directing our educational establishment uh, don't embrace the founding principles uh, that produced the American exceptionalism in the first place. So what do we need to do? God's people need to go back and reclaim this very important institution because the philosophy of the schoolroom and run generation will be the philosophy of government in the next and economics and everything else. Let me ask you this. Um, having written a book on America's providential history and studied the founding fathers and, and well, and, and our, our country's past, give me three names. I know that it's hard to limit it to that, and but three names you think were the most influential on Christianity in America or our nations, how we became who we are today? What well, top of the list for me is George Washington, which is since it's about his we wouldn't birthday. Be, we, we wouldn't be sitting here today. Yeah. With no dec- we have no independence, no declaration, no constitution, no, no victory, no victory over, over the British. Yeah. Uh, except for George Washington, a man of providence. And he, the people understood God raised this man up in order to advance civil liberty to the world. So he's number one. Uh, let me, uh, he's number one. Let me just add my commentary. It's a disgrace, quite frankly, that we don't have George Washington's birthday mm-hmm. as a national holiday like we used to have. Right. And then we lumped him into President's Day with, uh, you know, a bunch of guys, quite frankly, that don't near measure up to uh, George Washington's stature, both historically and as a man of Christian character and uh, providentially. Anyway, just wanted to add that. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever get that back again. But uh, George Washington's birthday, we... we it's uh, yeah I, 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 tomorrow, I think. I lose track. I, think I don't know what the day right. is. But, it's but anyway, 22nd. so George Washington's number one. Who's Who's two? Well, there, there's so many. I, another one of my heroes that I would throw in there is Noah Webster. Noah Webster was the founding father of American scholarship and education, the most influential educator in all of the 1800s and 19th century. He's the man who gave us the blueback speller, sold over 100 million copies during the 1800s. Every American took the Bible and Webster speller when they went to settle the West. It made each, each American self-taught. They could learn for themselves uh, how to read so they could read the Bible and become equipped to be productive uh, individuals. But he gave us 
the first exhaustive English dictionary in history. Over 70,000 words, first published in 1828. It contains thousands of scriptural references. He gives biblical definition of words. Today, dictionaries define words humanistically. We're indoctrinated in secular humanism when we look up words. So we need to use his dictionary to get a biblical definition. He started a college, university, wrote eight textbooks. Amazing man, and he had a vision you know, I want to help the people of America know how to live in liberty. And to live in liberty, it's very difficult. You have to have the character and worldview, which has to be built within a society through the homes first, through the churches, the educational institutions. If we're not equipped to live in liberty, we will quickly fall into to bondage. So he helped launch America after we became a free nation, to be able to advance. So what years did he live? Uh, uh, he, well, he was born in 1758, Webster. died in 1840s or something. He, he lived a long life for, yeah, that, for he, that time period. It's interesting. He was 50 years old in 1808. He'd gone to church all his life, but revival, Second Great Awakening, was flowing through America, and his his wife and daughter were converted, and they said, you got to come with us to this meeting. Took him to the meeting. He was converted, 50 years old. The next morning, he woke up, and he went to his wife and daughter in the home and said, I've got to repent to you. Wow. Look, I've done all I could to 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 train and educate you, but I've neglected the most important thing, daily devotions from that day till he died he had daily devotions in his home every day this guy come on noah webster yeah noah webster so so he he would be at top of the list for the influence that he had in in america george washington noah webster what about uh is there a third name or i'm I'm thinking about you tell the story about was it whitfield george whitfield george whitfield when when did he live well he was an englishman but he spent uh, months and months and months and months here in the u.s he came here i think at least six times he was extremely uh, important because he was the leader of the first great awakening the first great awakening was a movement of god that started roughly 17 late 1730s 40s 50s 60s uh, it was a, a revival period of time, and he set aflame the colonists. Uh, about 80% of the Americans heard Whitfield preach in person. This is phenomenal to me. They come and listen to him, and, and without the First Great Awakening, where Whitfield was the primary spark, there are others, Jonathan Edwards, the Tennant brothers, etc., there would have been no American Christian Revolution. Because the founding fathers were young men, they were brought up in this environment of revival with character and worldview that was necessary for them to then carry on the mission of giving birth to this nation. So, yes, George Whitfield would have to be counted in, in one of the top guys as far as influencing the birth of the United States. He was an Englishman, but I think he was an honorarium. Of course, we are all Englishmen before independence anyway. We we're British citizens as well. Many marvelous stories about him. We do talk about that on our on our tours. You ought to come and hear some of the great stories of George Whitfield. Uh, I got one other. I know Fred, Fred and Ray probably. Chris, how you doing, brother? I, well. I, I just yeah, want to say here. I wish Steve McDowell was my history teacher. I know, yeah. right? If I'm on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, I'm calling you for the yeah. phone of friends. <laughs> just don't for the, call me for, for playwrights. The, right. <laughs> Talking to Stephen McDowell. He's the in studio with us, president of the Providence Foundation. Okay, if... Uh, the colonists 
uh, versus the Great Great Britain. If you were to handicap this, I don't know, the, the, we're not we're not betting people here, okay? But still, I want to ask you that uh, looking back in history, I'm talking about the chances of the United. Well, it wasn't the United States then. Uh, the United States before it was the United States, the colonies uh, rebelling against the King of England and then winning a war. We call it the Revolutionary War, the War for Independence. Winning that war, uh, what would you have said the chances were at the time if you were, if you were a betting man? Yeah, if you were a betting man. Well, minuscule, very small, you know, because ten percent maybe. You know, perhaps I, yeah. I couldn't put, not, put a figure to it. Cause, but, you know, but God, okay, I understand that. God, yeah. Because British was the most powerful nation in the world. They had the most advanced army in the world, navy in the world. They had plenty of finances. You know, we didn't have anything. We were a bunch of farmers who were trying to survive in this new land. And, uh, of course, to the, the founders, it wasn't a rebellion. It was... You're violating our rights as British citizens and as citizens of the earth and as Christians. They protest. They've been doing it over 10 years, petitioning them when the king in 1765 passed an unjust tax. For the first time, he said, I think I have a right to tax you without your consent. Never had happened before up until King George III did it to raise money to pay for a war. And the colonists weren't opposed to paying for their own defense, but they were against the principle of of you taxing us without our consent because that violated the principle of property. Because if someone can take your property without your consent, you don't really own any property at all. So, look, they protested and protested. We want to resolve this thing. Fighting started in in April of 1775. It was 14 months later before we declared independence because they still, we want to resolve. We want to, we're, we're brethren. Let's get together again. But God hardened the heart of King George III, according to many ministers who preach sermons, in order for him to act in such a stupid way to give birth to America, this exceptional nation, so a newer era of liberty could come to mankind. Uh, What's your website again? ProvidenceFoundation.com. ProvidenceFoundation.com. A lot of great resources there, including Stephen's best-selling book, America's Providential History. Thank you, Stephen. Appreciate it. with you. Excellent. All right, Chris, uh, I know you didn't have many words to say this half hour, but they were memorable. Okay? Thank you. Powerful. <laughs> I think you said if you were something you call a lifeline, or what would you say? Yeah, I said if I was ever on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, I'm you calling call him. call Steven? He's my lifeline. Great line. All right, we'll be back in five minutes with uh, Steve Paisley Jordahl. Stay with us. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.